follow along as Lydia comes to read to us. The reading is from Mark chapter 1, reading from verse 14 to 28. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. much Liz uh, for reading that and please do grab um, those service sheets so you can see the passage in front of you Um, uh, as Christians we believe that God speaks through his word the Bible and so those words uh, are God's words Uh, and I'm going to try and help us to understand those uh, and pray that God by his spirit will speak to each one of us uh, right now and so I'm just going to lead us in a prayer feel free to join in with me if you'd like. Uh, Father God, thank you so much that you don't kind of leave us in the dark or leave us guessing about what you're like uh, or or what it is to live in this world, Uh, but Father, that you speak. And so I pray that right now that you, by the Holy Spirit, would speak to each of us. I pray that you'd um, maybe take words that we might have heard many times before, but but Father, today, would would you make them real to us? Might it be that we would leave this place having met with the risen Lord Jesus? And Father, that might sound really weird to some of us, but I pray that by your spirit you would do that. So so would you come and do that? Amen. Um, Let me ask you a question. What what do you think about authority? Uh, and, And particularly sort of authority claims over you. 
Uh, over the last sort of, 100 years or so, uh, our society has really kind of shifted in its views towards uh, authority. In the last few years, uh, that's kind of resulted in the kind of rise of the, the kind of fake news phenomenon. You've, you've heard of that, I'm sure. Uh, one person said uh, this. They said, uh, fake news has come about through a lowered trust in formerly respected sources. It used to be the BBC said it. And so therefore, uh, I, can, I can trust that, can't I? But nowadays, you say, well, the BBC said this, but actually my, my Twitter timeline said that. My, my social media says this. My friends say that. Uh, what spin uh, are the BBC putting on this? What spin uh, is that news outlet, the Times? I'm not just picky on the BBC. Uh, what, what particular spin are they taking? In fact, nowadays, it, it's almost seen as a bit naive to believe in an authority source, isn't it? Naive, maybe even dangerous. Uh, One U.S. politician put it like this. He said, um, anyone who refuses to question their so-called ultimate authority, the the authority to which they appeal to, is potentially an enemy of free society. It's dangerous, isn't it? Uh, Listening to an authority could make you an enemy of free society. And so what, what we do now with the era of fake news, with our, our distrust of authorities, we say, what I need actually is, is a series of different authorities. Uh, and then the safest place is actually, if I'm the kind of gatekeeper of what authority I'll listen to and, and what, I, what I won't. Uh, one psychiatrist put it like this. She said, uh, to question things is to take back control of our lives. Uh, you want control of your life? You need to be the gatekeeper of what authority you're going to listen to. In other words, actually, you need to be the authority on the authorities. That's the safe place we hear. And yet, as we come to this passage, we see and we come face to face with a Jesus whose authority is, 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 is beautiful. It, it's compelling. It, it, it changes things. Come with me. Uh, We're going to go back a couple of thousand years. Uh, We're by a lake. It's called Galilee. uh, And there is Jesus, and he's wandering along beside the lake. There are fishermen there, of course, because that was the big trade that was going on. Uh, And people uh, are are there, and they're fishing. uh, And Jesus gets chatting to them. Uh, Only his conversation is probably a bit different to the one that you and I might expect. Uh, His starts with three words, and they're there next to number 17. Uh, Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Or, or literally, in, in, in the Greek, follow after me. Follow after me. Three words. Now, I don't recommend that you try this tomorrow. Can you imagine wandering down, there you are, wandering down Sunnyvale Avenue, see a few people up on the scaffolding. Uh, follow after me. I doubt you'll get the response Jesus does. Okay? Uh, I, I doubt it'll work quite like this. But you see, here's the thing. What we're going to see here is that Jesus' divine authority means that he asks what nobody else can. See, this is, this is a huge, a huge thing to ask of somebody, isn't it? Follow after me. I'm going to repurpose your life, he says. You're used to, you're used to fishing for fish. I'm going to turn you to, to fishing for people. I'm going to take your life. I'm going to turn it upside down. Follow after me. It's shocking. It's outrageous. But if that's shocking, then what happens next is even more shocking. Next, a little number 18. At once they left their nets... And they followed him. Now, don't miss this. They left their nets. Now, those nets weren't just kind of a first century pastime uh, hobby occupation. Those nets were nets uh, that Simon and Andrew, they, they would have thrown 
into that lake night after night, day after day, for their adult lives, in order to fish for the fish that would feed their family, would pay the bills. Those were nets that every morning they would have meticulously cleaned and, and, and mended and then dried so that they didn't rot so that they could use them the next day. This is their whole source of income. This is their whole business that they have been putting together for years and years. And Jesus says, come follow after me. And they do like that. They leave it. That's shocking, isn't it? It would be surprising if it happened as a one-off. Uh, but the amazing thing is it happens twice. Jesus wanders on a bit further. Uh, verse 19, he sees uh, James and John, um, sons of a guy called Zebedee. Without delay, verse 20, number 20, um, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You can imagine Zebedee. Uh, he sat there, uh, he's just sorting through the nets. He's like, boys, can you just hold this net? Boys? Boys, where are you going? What are you doing? Leaving the family business. Leaving their father sat there in the... What is going on? What kind of authority is so compelling, so beautiful, that it would have that kind of response? Well, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to leave the disciples here for a moment. Uh, we're going to look at the next bit uh, of, uh, of Mark, the, the bit after this that we read. And we're going to see what it is about Jesus' authority that is so beautiful. And then we'll come back here and think about what that might mean for us today. Um, so um, what we see is uh, the next scene. It's there in, in verse 21. Uh, and Jesus is there in a place called Capernaum, a little town. Uh, and he's in the synagogue, a bit like the Jewish version of a church. Uh, on the Sabbath, that's the Saturday, a bit like the Jewish version of Sunday, a bit like what we're doing today. Uh, and they've come together, uh, and what are they expecting? They're expecting, well, what they normally get. Somebody, a scribe or a Pharisee, to stand up and to, and to give them, well, to give them a, a range of different opinions, the, the teachings of the Father, what some rabbi said about what some other rabbi once said. Um, it's, uh, it, it got distilled and became the Mishnah. It, it would have been a bit like this, and I've hammed it up slightly just uh, so that we get a bit of, a, a bit of an idea of, of what it might look like. Uh, he, somebody would stand up and he would say, well, of course, on this matter, we must listen to what uh, uh, Rabbi Benjamin has to say. Uh, Rabbi Benjamin puts forward uh, these three points, and then somebody else would stand up and say, yes, but of course, Rabbi Levi uh, put the counterpoint to Rabbi Benjamin. Oh, yes, of course. Well, uh, bearing in mind what Rabbi Levi said about what Rabbi Benjamin said, uh, yes, but what about Rabbi Matthew. Nobody listens to anybody called Matthew. Fair point, yes. And so on and so forth. It, it would have been a commentary on the commentaries, but what Jesus does as he stands up, we see that Jesus' divine authority means he teaches as nobody else ever has or ever can. Did, did you see what he said? Little number 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. In other words, there was a difference between the way that Jesus taught to the way that everybody else has. Everybody else teaches with kind of derived authority. This is what the authorities say. Jesus spoke with his own authorities. When, when Jesus spoke about God, it was like he knew him. It's like he, he'd spent time with him. When, when Jesus spoke about humanity, it, it was like he really got people. Like he understood how people ticked. He understood what it's like to be us. When Jesus taught about the creation of the world, it was as if he'd been there. And of course, if you've been reading Mark up to this point, we've seen that Jesus is, is God living among us. And therefore, when he speaks, he doesn't speak with kind of caveats or, or, or things that he doesn't know. He comes with all knowledge, all authority, and therefore he speaks in his own authority. Remember coronavirus? 
of course. Remember we used to flick on the TV every night? Uh, and there would be Chris Whitty or Patrick Valance. Uh, and and they, those were people who were authoritative people, weren't they? Uh, there were people who were more trained than any of us here. Uh, there were people who, who, who got the figures of uh, the, the coronavirus was, was, was doing. Uh, and they would be able to speak. And it was great, wasn't it? Once a day, you got to hear from somebody who understood what was going on. It was great. We long for that sort of thing. Uh, and yet, even they didn't know everything, did they? Do you remember really early on when there was the debate about masks? And it was like, well, we're not sure whether masks really do make a difference. And then, oh, no, no, they, they really do make a difference. So we need to make sure that we're all wearing them. Uh, there, was that, there was that change. Or, or, or remember when the Delta variant came out and they were saying, oh, well, um, we, we, we don't know yet whether this is just more, uh, more kind of, uh, it passes on more easily or whether it's going to be, get, get, get people worse. than We just need to wait and see. We, we need to learn about this virus. Even some of the most authoritative people still needed to learn. Here's Jesus, and there's no caveats. He doesn't say, uh, this, this is true, but actually, if something else disagrees with it, well, I haven't thought about it. No, this is God speaking with his authority. And that means that the, 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 the words of Jesus have gone through the centuries. Uh, they've stood the test of time. Actually, again and again in society, they've, they've bashed up against different societies. You name the era, we can look at different ways in which Jesus' words disagreed with them. Uh, but again and again and again, what we have there is true words in his own authority that don't change. And that's wonderfully refreshing. It's wonderfully refreshing in a society that feels like it's changing all the time to go to somewhere where we can say, yes, that's true. It's wonderfully refreshing, actually, in, in a place where all our, our different values kind of bash up against each other. And, we, uh, and we, as we've seen in the news over the last few weeks, what do we do with this? Jesus speaks with authority and clarity. We can come to it. It's great in a world of fake news. You know, MIT did a bit of a study a few years ago. Uh, they found out that, um, that false information... Wow. Uh, that false information... Um, travels faster and more widely on Twitter than true information. The algorithms work that way, it would seem. In a world where there's so much false information, how refreshing to come to one who speaks with ultimate authority. But some of us are thinking, okay, that's, that's all very good, uh, but here's the thing. Speaking with ultimate authority is great, as long as that authority is good, isn't it? You see, what we can't do is divorce the authority of Jesus from the person of Jesus. And we see that uh, in this final little bit. Uh, you see, what we're going to see is that uh, Jesus' divine authority means that he can free what nobody else can free or free those who nobody else can free. Uh, little, oh, I'm in Matthew's gospel. Sorry, that's your one. Um, here we are, Mark's gospel. Um, verse, uh, verse 22 Sorry, little number 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. This would have been a terrifying moment. Uh, somebody uh, who is, is possessed by a demon stands up and shouts out, cries out in the middle of uh, this, this synagogue meeting. Now, that is scary. If you watch the kind of horror movies, there's all sorts of demons and stuff in there. Why? Because they're big and they're scary and we can't control them. We don't understand them. And even as I say that, some of us are sitting here going, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is where I get off. You know, like I, came, I came, came along for a baptism, you know, cute baby, really happy with that. I kind of get that Jesus might be an influencer. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I, I get that he might do that. But demons? 
demon possession? I mean, really? <laughs> Seriously? Are we actually, do you guys really believe that? Does Matt and Catherine really believe that? What's going on? Um, that might be way out of your experience. And, and I guess uh, I just want to say a few, few quick things. Firstly, this is way out of our experience for a reason. This isn't a super common thing that is happening right here. Uh, but bear with me a second. Imagine that these claims that Jesus make are really true, that he is really God come among us, that this is God stepping into his world. You kind of expect some unusual things to happen, wouldn't you? Uh, you kind of expect that those people uh, uh, and those, those powers that hate him would kind of be making a bit of a stand against him at this point. And that's why we do see more, even in the Bible, we see more of this activity happening around Jesus than we do uh, elsewhere in the Bible. It's not that we don't see it elsewhere, but we see much more of it around Jesus. That's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is that we need to be really careful that, that just because we haven't experienced something ourselves, that doesn't mean it's not true. That it, it's very easy for us, especially here in the West, to look at places where there are more reports of this sort of stuff and do so with, well, I've got to be careful here, but almost a sort of latent racism. You know, if that, that doesn't happen here because actually, really, we understand it. They just don't. And we need to be a bit careful on that, don't we? That, well, there are reports of stuff like that. But perhaps the third thing is, is, is the most important one, which is this. We live in a world that so often feels really broken, don't we? And, and at times we watch the news and we see stuff that just seems evil on just another level. Like, that, that is bad and we're kind of used to badness, but, but, but that is evil and, and, and we hate it. And the Bible looks at that and it says, yes, but behind that, there is a power that, that hates God and that hates those made in the image of God, people like us. And the Bible gives that, that power, that person, a name, Satan. In fact, we saw him just in the last chapter. And, and, and whilst he doesn't necessarily possess in quite the same way here in, in this culture as, as he does in some others, at the same time, we do see those kind of oppressive powers from time to time, don't we? And we see people who live under lives that feel oppressed by all sorts of things. That's one of the reasons why in, in the baptism we, we encouraged Joshua to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because uh, there are spiritual powers that oppress. But what does Jesus do? Well, the demon says to him, little number 24, uh, have you come to destroy? What do you want with us? Have you come to destroy us? And actually, of course, the truth of, of Mark's gospel is that's exactly what Jesus has come to do. You see, Mark goes through, uh, and at the end of it, you see Jesus there on a cross, and there he's dying, and he's dying in darkness and oppression, and it looks as if all the bad powers, the, the, these evil powers have won, uh, and yet three days later, Jesus bursts forth from the grave, uh, and, and all of a sudden, it's, it's like the D-Day landings. It's the beginning of the end uh, for all powers, uh, that, that, all powers that oppress. He has won. And some of us think, that sounds, that sounds lovely, but surely that's far-fetched. And yet, why is it that in your deepest, darkest heart, you, you long for that day? Don't you long for it? I, I, I long for it. And, and because of that, because Jesus will defeat uh, all uh, spiritual powers uh, that oppose him and hate us, uh, therefore, he's able to speak to this demon. And what does he say? Uh, he says to him, uh, verse 25, uh, be quiet, literally muzzle yourself, uh, shut your face, demon, come out of him. Uh, and the demon can do nothing but come out of the man. 
You see, this man who is oppressed and can be helped by nobody else, all of a sudden, Jesus can free those who nobody else can free. My friends, I don't have time to go into this, but come and chat to me. I can tell you about lives that have, been, that have experienced this freedom. I'll tell you about a great friend of mine who, who has freedom from alcohol and drug addiction. I can talk about people who've become free from pornography addiction, from, um, from violence, from all sorts of things. At places that, that we look at and we say they're a lost cause, and Jesus says, no, they're not. No, they're not. I can free them. See, Jesus' authority, uh, Jesus' authority, his, his word uh, is used to free those uh, whom nobody else can free. It might just be that you're sitting here and you're like, okay, do you know what? If that happened today, I'd totally, I'd totally be with it. You know, if there was a demon and they were cast out in this room, I'm on board with it. But, I, you know, that just, I, I just can't see that. I, I'd long to see uh, something like that. And then I'd believe in, in, in this Christian stuff. I'd be up here with Matt and Catherine and everybody else being baptized. That'd be great. Um, but here's the thing. If, um, if that's you, notice what they are surprised by at this point. Verse, uh, verse 27, little number 27. The people were all amazed and they asked each other, what is this, a new miracle worker? Is that what it says? What does it say? Little number 27. The people were so amazed, they, they asked each other, what is this, a new exorcist? No? What does it say? What is this, a new teaching? It was this teaching that was what amazed them. And yes, he goes on to talk about uh, even the evil spirits obey him. But, but it's this teaching that is, uh, that is setting him apart. If you want to know Jesus' teaching, if you want to uh, find out about this Jesus, come to this scripture. This is the place where you meet somebody who speaks in a way you've never heard before, who asks what you've never seen before, and who will set you free from what, you've never, from what you can never imagine being free from. And what does he say to us? Well, really quickly... What does Jesus say to us today? He says to us what he said to those fishermen. He says, come, follow me. The Jesus who speaks says to you today, come, follow me. You might be thinking, hey, I'm, I'm only here for a baptism. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm here because Matt and Catherine asked me to come. Jesus says to you, Come, follow me. I've got questions. He knows them. Remember, there are no caveats that he doesn't understand or know. Is today the day when you need to say, okay, yeah, I'll do that? If, it might be that you've got more questions and you want to find out more and you want to look into this more. Um, on the bottom of the baptism sheet, there's a thing uh, called Hope Explored. You can come along to that. You can find out more and that would be great. Uh, do that because Jesus is saying, come, follow me. What are you going to do about that? It's a question that faces all of us. It might be that you're here and you're a Christian and, um, and, and you would say, yes, I'm following Jesus. But, but maybe there are areas that you're holding back. Figuratively, you've got the net still in your hand. And you say, Jesus, I'll follow you in all those areas, but, but not in these areas. What's that part of your life, that room in the, in, in, in the kind of house of your life that you're saying, Jesus, this bit's off limits to you. He says to you, come follow me. He demands what nobody else can. Those things that maybe you've not spoken about for years. There's areas uh, that actually, you know what they are. In fact, you're probably thinking about them right now. There's areas that you say, Jesus, this is off limits. And he says that I can free those who nobody else can free. Let, Let me in. Come follow me. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and, 
and, and actually you, you want to follow Jesus, but there's some area of your life that's just a bit messed up and you're, you're tempted to, to reach over and grab the steering wheel. Say, Look, I, I'll just get me through this bit of life and, and, then I'll, and then I'll follow after you. Jesus says, you're not in control. Come, follow me. Follow me in that area. I can free who nobody else can free. I can teach you as nobody else can teach you. And therefore, I can ask you what nobody else can. No holds barred. Come, follow me. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. How are we going to respond? Well, I'm going to give us a moment or two just to think on that, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Come, follow me, says Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you so much for clarity. Thank you that you don't leave us in the dark about what you're like or how to live in this world. Help us to ask that question seriously. What, what, what do we make of Jesus reaching through the centuries, reaching out to us now by his spirit saying, come and follow me? What are we going to do about that? I pray by your spirit you would not let us rest until we, uh, until we have an answer to that question. So work in us, I pray. Amen.